Welcome to another T-Rex talk. Uh, today we're going to be talking about deplatforming and platforms. Last night I was talking to some political folks about some legislation that is pending here in the state of Tennessee, which would redefine certain online social media platforms as common carriers. And this is a kind of an ongoing debate for the last uh, many, many years talking about are these, uh, these online social media platforms publishers uh, or are they platforms? What kind of government regulations should be imposed on them so that they play fair and their biases don't actually affect the First Amendment or free speech? How exactly do we interact with these uh, these particular platforms on the free market? And this is a very, uh, it's a very complicated conversation, but there are some very interesting examples just from this past week. So today I want to talk a little bit about GoFundMe, I want to talk a little bit about Spotify, <laughs> I want to talk about Patreon, I want to talk about a few things that have happened uh, just in the last week that are really kind of interesting things that have developed in this particular um, category. GoFundMe is in the news because the Freedom Convoy up in Canada is in the news. There was a GoFundMe page for the Freedom Convoy, which is truckers, approximately 38,000 Canadian truckers who were protesting a new law that uh, it would prevent any Canadian or U.S. truck drivers from crossing the U.S.-Canadian border uh, without being vaccinated. And so the Freedom Convoy uh, raised tremendous support from both countries. And they had a page on GoFundMe, and that raised $10 million Canadian dollars uh, relatively quickly from uh, 120,000 donors, which means that's an average of 83 bucks per donor. So these were not gigantic, vast right-wing uh, monies. These were these were small-town people who were contributing to this this right here. Now, as the Freedom Convoy worked its way across Canada, it was heavily criticized by the media. And as it got closer and closer to Ottawa, uh, Trudeau fled to an undisclosed location for safety. Uh, he would not meet with them pretty much any time that anyone. Uh, in the Canadian government has criticized or opposed this convoy in any way. They've done it uh, over Zoom from a, an undisclosed location for safety. Also, Trudeau contracted COVID at this time. So as he was really, really making the point that the truckers are wrong for questioning the efficacy of the vaccine, uh, he, who had been significantly vaccinated and boosted, also demonstrated the inefficiency and ineffectiveness of the vaccine. But that hasn't changed his position on why the truckers' convoy is wrong. Everybody is doubling down on why the convoy is a problem. And now that it's in Ottawa, uh, honking has been made... And now that the convoy is in Ottawa, honking has been made illegal. Uh, taking food or fuel to support the actual truckers is illegal. Cops are starting to cite and arrest people for unspecified mischief, uh, which doesn't actually sound like a crime. Uh, and Trudeau has finally recovered from COVID, and he's continuing to uh, decry these evil truckers for shutting down the economy, which his lockdowns also did. In fact, today's Babylon B headline was perfect. Trudeau demands protesters stop shutting down cities so that he can shut down city. The Babylon Bee is no longer satire anymore. It is now more factual representation of the actual news than any of the actual news sites. It's kind of amazing. Uh, and even the American media was in full hue and cry against the truckers, which caused uh, GoFundMe to close the account of the Freedom Convoy after they had dispersed $1 million of the $10 million that was raised. And then they did a pretty amazing thing. They announced that no further funds 
will be directly distributed to the Freedom Convoy organizers. Quote, we will work with organizers to send all remaining funds to credible and established charities chosen by the Freedom Convoy 2022 organizers and verified by GoFundMe. Close quote. So uh, GoFundMe was going to take the money that many, many 120,000 donors had given. These are donations of $80 on average, small donations from everyday folks. They were going to take those donations, which had been intended for the truckers, and then give them to other people, uh, people that only GoFundMe would verify. And what's fascinating to me is not that GoFundMe would try to do this or that really any uh, organization would try to do this, but that they didn't try to do this sneakily. They actually made this a pretty big announcement. They were grandstanding. They were virtue signaling. Uh, They were wanting to make it very clear that they opposed these truckers and that not only were they going to disallow any further donations, but that they were going to refuse to refund the donations but send them to verified uh, charities. It's almost mind-boggling that they did this uh, so brazenly. Uh, and they posted their reasoning. They said, quote, we now have evidence from law enforcement that the previously peaceful demonstration has become an occupation uh, with police reports of violence and other unlawful activity, close quote. And this is Remarkably hypocritical, because if you will recall, a couple years ago, July of 2020, GoFundMe allowed crowdfunding for occupiers, uh, people who were set up inside of the Chaz slash Chop area of Seattle, uh, even after there had been uh, police reports of violence. Um, like actual multiple murders committed there. And they didn't just tolerate these accounts or these crowdfunding pages. They actually celebrated them in ads that GoFundMe ran in July of 2020. They ran ads saying, look how important we are to the cause of justice. Look the kind of people that we're raising money for. Look what they're doing in Chaz and Chop, etc. And during the summer of 2020, they allowed a whole lot of crowdfunding accounts in direct contravention of, quote, evidence from law enforcement. And they also distributed tens of millions of dollars. They were bailing people out, uh, actual individual people who had been charged with, quote, violence and other unlawful activity uh, by law enforcement, unquote. So this is obviously a, a hypocritical thing, and it's not necessarily surprising. What is surprising to me is just, like I said, the brazenness of the We're not just refusing to do business with these 120,000 donors. We are actually going to try to take their money away from them. Please clap for us. And there's been some significant blowback for GoFundMe, which I'm going to talk about later. Uh, Now let me talk about Patreon real quick. Um, They banned the comedian Owen Benjamin, which is kind of interesting. Patreon has been banning people, but this resulted in a legal action that we haven't seen before. The whole idea here is that Patreon is a middleman between a creator, and they help the creator and the backer develop an economic relationship between each other. Patreon is the middleman, but there is an economic relationship between the creator and the backer. So when they ban a creator, they have created something called a tortious interference with a business relationship. And I don't believe that that has ever uh, been brought to the table before. And so there's a lawsuit between Patreon and 72 of Owen Benjamin's backers. But uh, under the arbitration procedures that are in Patreon's own terms of service, Patreon needs to pay all the filing fees, which could be a lot of money if there are more backers than just the 72 that have already filed. Uh, And Patreon cannot collect any of those fees back, even if they win the arbitration. So 
there's a lot of things that are going on in this world where there are significant consequences to behaving badly as a platform or a publisher. Uh, but then, of course, the big one is Spotify. Uh, and I was joking about this last week on Instagram, the fact that Neil Young, a a man whose uh, most famous composition is probably rocking in the free world, demanded that Spotify silence Joe Rogan or he would move his song Rocking in the Free World to a less free platform as, a, as an act of protest, which he did. He moved his entire catalog to a different platform because... Spotify backed Joe Rogan. They kept Joe Rogan's catalog, which gets millions upon millions of listens within the first few days of every episode being uploaded over Neil Young, who gets uh, significantly fewer listens every single month. And then Joni Mitchell and a whole bunch of other people jumped on the bandwagon of abandoning Spotify because Joe Rogan is just the worst. The upshot of this is that Spotify has continued to keep Joe Rogan on. And there's a couple of reasons for this. One is probably the legal relationship that they have. We don't know what all the details of those are. But the other is the financial financial side of things. They paid Joe Rogan a couple of years ago $100 million uh, for him to exclusively be on Spotify. That is a pretty significant contract that they have right there. And as the left has accused Joe Rogan of contributing to COVID misinformation, like having experts on, experts on the mRNA vaccine, for example, like Robert Malone, I talked about that in the past, they are now accusing him of being a racist. They're accusing him of anything that they can to try to make Joe Rogan look terrible to convince Spotify to kick him off of the platform. But here's the thing that is really interesting. Spotify may not be able to afford to kick Joe Rogan off of the platform right now. Joe Rogan's vast listenership will follow him if he goes to a new place. And Spotify probably cannot afford that. Now, I actually thought a couple of days ago that it's possible that they would drag this on and drag this on and get as much press out of it as they could before they kick him to the curb. But uh, Rumble uh, offered Joe Rogan $100 million to jump ship to their platform. And I think that that really has cemented Spotify's position to where Spotify now knows uh, that <laughs> there's somewhere else that Joe could go, which means that there's somewhere else that Joe Rogan's audience will also go. If Joe leaves, Spotify is weakened. And if Joe is kicked out, I think that that weakens Spotify even more. Now, there's a news report going around last uh, day or two that says that 19% of Spotify subscribers plan to cancel because of Rogan. But if you read the fine print, even though this article has made the rounds and I've seen the headline in dozens of different places, if you read the article, the poll is a teeny tiny poll that is inside of the middle of an article talking about how Joe Rogan is the worst person on the face of the earth. And only 40 actual responders to the poll said that they might cancel. So, yeah, I, I don't think that is uh, good reporting at all. Now, Spotify stock is down. That is actually true. But Spotify stock has been dropping since October, and the high point was way back last February. Uh, the subscribers uh, have plateaued over the last year. That's the reason that the stock is down, far more than the Joe Rogan thing. So my <laughs> assumption here is that Spotify actually needs Rogan now more than ever, and Rogan is more famous now than ever. And so they really need Rogan to stick. And if the CEO 
uh, Daniel Eck manages to stick to his guns and keep Rogan and make the case why they're going to stay by Rogan. Uh, now they're kind of doing, they're, they're playing this game of halves where they promise that they're not going to get rid of Rogan, but they do pull about a hundred of his episodes to demonstrate that they're taking all of these claims very seriously. Um, they, they explain why they can't actually get rid of him, but then uh, the CEO did apologize to the entire staff of Spotify for, I guess, the terrible thing that they are doing. So it's a very mixed message that uh, kind of everybody hates. And I'm sure uh, that Daniel Eck, the CEO, is kicking himself, not because he currently owns the most popular podcaster, but because his staff is now fighting him on this. All of the people that he has gone to for validation and for advertising are fighting him on this, even though having that most famous podcaster is actually really, really good for traffic, really, really good for ad revenue, and probably, probably good for uh, subscribers. And one of the things that he promised that he would do to make things right, in addition to removing the 100 or so episodes, uh, he he promised that he would spend, that, that Spotify would spend $100 million bringing on other marginalized artists. This would somehow ameliorate the damage of having a terrible racist and COVID conspiracy theorist like Joe Rogan on the site. And all of this virtue signaling doesn't make things better. It actually makes things worse because he is both acknowledging that all of the concerns that everyone is having about Joe Rogan are in fact valid, and then he's bringing on more of the antithesis to balance things out, hiring more woke employees who resent Joe Rogan's existence even more. That just kind of makes things worse, uh, especially in the long term, because even though Spotify will probably keep Joe Rogan and keeping Joe Rogan will probably allow them to keep most of their subscribers for a while, they are now in a position where they probably cannot hire the next Joe Rogan. And so the company value will decline. And while this sounds like, um, like a slippery slope argument, it's actually... Uh, it's kind of more like they're painting themselves into a corner. They're taking options off of the table by the things that they're doing now, um, which which Disney did a little while ago, a few years ago. Uh, if you'll recall, Gina Carano was one of the main characters in the Mandalorian show, and they were she was going to have her own spinoff show. Like she was definitely going to be a main character moving forwards. But then she uh, she committed the unpardonable crime of saying on Twitter that her pronouns were beep, bop, and boop. And then she mentioned that fascist and totalitarian activities uh, reminded her of fascist and totalitarian dictators from the past, and that was just really uh, not acceptable. And so she was fired, and that is now the new standard. That is Disney's standard that they have to stick to. That kind of thing is unacceptable, and it is so unacceptable that it is worth canceling a character with an upcoming spinoff show and $2 billion in action figures in stock all around the country. And they can never allow that ever to happen again, which means that they've kind of painted themselves into a corner. They can never hire a normal actor because that normal actor might say something uh, like Gina Carano did. So they have to hire hardcore social justice warrior actors. Those are the only ones who are who are safe and, and predictable in this way. And that means that they've limited themselves to a talent pool that is... Well, kind of limited. And a perfect example of this is Marvel Comics. I don't know if you're following the comic industry. Marvel Comics has really painted themselves into a tiny, tiny corner to where they're only hiring people based on their social justice warrior attributes, um, and which means they've removed a lot of the options that they had to compete in the free market. And as a free market guy, 
Uh, this is a really good thing, in my opinion. When people make terrible decisions and companies make terrible decisions to no longer do the right thing and no longer serve customers, they really incentivize customers to go out and find somebody who will serve them. Uh, this is how the free market works, and generally it works very well. And in the past, the internet allowed for much more decentralized content, and it was overall a very good thing. But we have seen a lot of centralization come about, and uh, Amazon is a good example of this. Amazon is actually way bigger than you probably think Amazon is. So in addition to being the dominant monopoly online store, uh, they also have a ginormous movie studio that is doing tremendously well when it comes to streaming statistics. And then they have the their server side of the business where they host almost all of their competitors in the movie and streaming area. Their advertising company made more money in advertising than YouTube did last year. Their Alexa assistant is not really that competitive with Siri and Google on features, but it's installed on way more devices uh, than the Siri and Google assistants. They even are, are really dominating in the delivery space. They have the third largest delivery fleet in the United States, which is, you know, third. But a few years ago, they had zero trucks. So they are way bigger than you think they are, and they are competing in a whole lot of different areas that you may not even be aware of. So in some ways, the free market has less ability to touch these giant companies. But the smaller companies, the free market is still, well, tremendously powerful. So let's go back to GoFundMe for a second. GoFundMe shut down the Freedom Convoy and got a huge, huge amount of press from it, which you know, is theoretically a good thing for them because there's no such thing as bad press. But that press that they were getting was very good press for GoFundMe alternatives, one of which, GiveSendMe. GiveSendMe is a predominantly Christian crowdfunding site. It is not the sort of site that you would expect to immediately take over after GoFundMe. And yet, uh, they have a page for the Freedom Convoy. They raised $6 million in the last few days. That is way, way faster than uh, the GoFundMe page got $6 million. And uh, I think they're going to get a ton of money. The... Uh, <laughs> What, what happened after uh, GoFundMe got caught trying to steal the money from the previous uh, $10 million of donors is that after they were called out for, for stealing, and a whole bunch of different state attorneys actually said, if you do this, all of our state citizens that you have stolen from, we will represent them in court and we will charge you with theft because you have stolen money directly from them. And GoFundMe immediately said, oh, uh, well, actually, we'll return the money then. Now, I actually have a theory that the pending criminal suits were not nearly as terrifying to them as the hundreds and thousands and probably tens of thousands of donors who immediately issued chargebacks on their credit cards, which is a very expensive thing for GoFundMe to deal with. GoFundMe has announced very publicly that they are returning all of the money. All of the money will be returned. You don't have to do anything. And please, please stop initiating chargebacks. But a large chunk of that $9 million hasn't been refunded yet. It's still trickling through uh, the financial system. So I think that the Give Send Me page is going to get way more than 6 bucks. A huge percentage of that $9 million is going to go straight back to the Freedom Convoy, probably with some extra. And it's probably all going to go through Give Send Me. Um, so GoFundMe, uh, it may actually be kind of dead. I don't think it'll die completely, but I think that its position as the market leader in this space is over. 
statistically, conservatives have done a lot more charitable giving than liberals have. And so a platform that is designed to take advantage of and take a cut uh, of charitable giving has essentially kicked its most active and profitable customers away. And And it did so in a way that it was incredibly public, in a way that was incredibly obvious to a whole bunch of people, and in in a way that really helped market all of its competitors in a way that its competitors had no way of marketing uh, themselves in in the past. So in a lot of these smaller cases, in these smaller service providers, in these smaller platforms, the free market can still very easily upset the bad actors and let people switch to much better providers that pop up uh, to meet the demand. So some of the conversation that people have had in the past about involving the state to regulate them is actually very counterproductive. Now, obviously, if these platforms were to actually commit crimes like theft of $9 million from 120,000 donors or uh, conspiracy to steal that $9 million, that's a little bit different thing. If they commit a crime, the state needs to be involved in punishing the crime. But setting up new state institutions to regulate these types of platforms, I think, is really unnecessary and, like I said, counterproductive. But for these larger platforms, it is a much more sticky situation because there is already so much government Involvement. There is already so much regulation around them, and there is already so much protectionism inside of them and surrounding these larger platforms that competing against them uh, in the free market is very difficult because that market is no longer very free. You really are competing against these government-supported monopolies uh, in those cases. And so as we continue to talk about um, this issue, we can get into some of the the more complicated issues and how some of these bigger platforms uh, actually work. So I'm not going to tell you exactly what my position is on some of the Tennessee uh, legislation that's currently being worked on, but I do want you to see this sort of silver lining, the the power that the free market still has, even in this remarkably unfree economy that we have, even on the internet where there's a lot of regulations and a lot of government protectionism, the free market still has tremendous power and the ability for people to push back against Patreon, to push back against GoFundMe, uh, to push back against Spotify, these these things are all um, these things are all on the table and they're all things that we can be doing right now so uh, odds are that you listening to this podcast right now are listening to it on Spotify the vast well I don't know about vast but the majority of our podcast listeners here at TRX talk are in fact listening on Spotify and then there's a bunch on iTunes and a bunch on Google etc 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 my recommendation to you is that you uh, get off of Spotify, not uh, because uh, Joe Rogan is a terrible human being, but because you don't want Spotify actually controlling which podcasts you can see and which episodes you have access to. So I'm not telling you to uh, to unsubscribe, but I am telling you that if you want free access to podcasts, uh, it's time to learn how to use some of the more decentralized platforms. So the best way to do this is to have a podcast uh, application that sees the RSS feed of the actual episodes and allows you to download the actual MP3 files for the actual episode so that you will you will have them and you're not going to be dependent upon Spotify to stream those to you at their discretion. So that's your homework for today. Uh, on Android, my favorite application uh, for this particular purpose is AntennaPod. And on iTunes, uh, I, I really don't know. I, I'm, I'm done... <laughs> recommending iTunes uh, related stuff or Apple related stuff at this point. So uh, the the Apple App Store, you're kind of on your own there. But if you do find a really solid, uh, freedom protecting, decentralized, relatively open podcast downloading app 
for iOS, uh, let me know, and I will tell people about it uh, possibly in the next podcast. So that's your homework assignment for this week. We'll be talking more about platforms, the free market, and government overregulation in the future, and uh, a bunch of really interesting Tennessee legislative stuff is uh, is in the works. I think we're going to have a fascinating year here. Uh, we're definitely going to have a fascinating year in a bunch of other states. So keep a lookout for the T-Rex political newsletter where we talk about some of those things and uh, and keep an ear out for future T-Rex talk podcasts. Ideally, when you download the MP3s yourself without having to go through corrupt and corruptible middlemen. Have a great week. <laughs>